Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Making Madden podcast. I'm Tom Lischke, franchise producer, and with me, as always, is Andre Weidengarten, franchise designer. Today, we're going to go over the changes made to the franchise hub, the season engine, and some of our biggest tuning changes throughout the cycle. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. We dropped the tease last time, but we are very happy to officially welcome aboard Vince, aka Deuce Douglas, to the Madden design team. He joined in October, and he has been a critical part of this cycle, along with everybody else on the team. So Vince, happy to have you aboard and to finally make it official forward-facing. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be fun to talk with you. I can. I know the community, or at least a, a good portion of the community, already knows you from your, your work before joining the team. Just that when we're going through the community playtest and all the feedback, uh, some of the internal feedback we saw is people referencing just some of the stuff you posted on the internet before you started up with us. So. <laughs> I think people are kind of excited to get to have that influence on the team alongside. So the 68 minute medium read <laughs> and, and all of those things. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but as well as Vince, we also have Dave, another one of our franchise designers. And like Vince and like myself, Dave was also a game changer before joining the Madden team. Dave, how long have you been on the Madden team? It feels you are the veteran of of the group, it seems. First of all, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to talk about you know, our content today. And and yeah, I've been around for a little bit. Uh, my first year on the team was Madden 25. Prior to that, as you said, Game Changer. So yeah, that was back in what 2013, I believe. Yeah, so it's, it's been, a, been a road, but uh, been awesome and, and you know, love franchise. Yeah, you've been working on franchise off and on through that whole time too, I believe, right? Like involved in some of the tuning. And I know that that's one of the topics that we've been covering is team commitment over the years and how this year is a kind of a a reinvigoration of our commitment to franchise. But in terms of somebody who's been in it and understands the the core tech we're living in and the tuning that we've been doing, it's been exciting for me as the producer to give you the opportunity to go deeper, go harder into the tuning, you know, starting with the post-launch releases last year, just getting into the tuning a little more deeply and and diving into some things that I know you've always felt like you you wanted that opportunity to go in and take a look at and spend some more time on, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, my, my first six years with the team were, were spent you know, in testing and then and made the jump over to the, to the design team. But my passion has always been with uh, you know authenticity and tuning and football. And I've worked with designers for years and years on that content. So definitely exciting to, to, to put some stuff in and you know make an impact. And, and you know hopefully uh, we're doing cool stuff. Yep, I, th- I think that we're hearing it, and more to, definitely more to come on the tuning side for sure. So it's it's fun to really see that commitment starting to bear fruit. So we can we can go into the the, the core material now and really get into it with Vince and Dave. Uh, Andre, do you want to take a first look at where we're going today? Yeah, I I think while we are going to dive into the hub very briefly, I think kind of talking about the experiences that we've all had making the transition from game changer to developer is a unique opportunity with the three of us in the room. So Vince, obviously you are the, the newest one aboard. Why don't you start? What, <laughs> what is the biggest change for you coming from the community to, to really joining the team? I think just probably the entire process of like, that's something I've always felt and uh, said a few times is that the kind of stuff that I've done, like from a community standpoint, that stuff's easy 
like doing the write-ups, doing the mock-ups, stuff like that. Like, cause it, none of that stuff has to work. <laughs> so it, like, it, it, it can just exist. There's no limitations. There's no, it's just can be anything you want it to be. You don't have to deal with bugs or budgets or anything like that. It can just <laughs> exist and do, do its thing. But then going to the other side and being here now and under, understanding all of that and realizing that, you have to flesh out the idea and then you not only have to make it work the way I want it to work, but then also the way that potentially millions of other people want it to work. Because at the end of the day, they're going to be deciding what is successful, what is good, what is bad. And so just going from a situation like that to where nothing has to work to now everything has to work. Having that process of you have your creative and you deliver it into the game or you deliver it, we call them paper prototypes sometimes where let's try out that idea and just on paper and show it to a few people and see what they think. And that, that iterative process that we build it, somebody plays it on paper, we get into game, somebody plays it. Is it actually fun? Is it given the right rewards, et cetera? And that's a big transition. I think for a lot of people is it's the ideas are important, but so is just the execution all the way through to make sure that translates into fun gaming decisions all the way through the experience. Absolutely. How about you, Dave? What was your biggest shell shock moment? Yeah, Vince had a great answer. I think that is absolutely accurate. And I think the only the only thing I would add to that is just the the amount of uh, communication is, you know, that's that's a great thing to be able to, you know, work with so many different people and and trying to get the the feature exactly how you want it through the design process, communicating with all the different engineers and production, like like Tom and, and the different folks on the team that, that help us drive that. I think that the scope and size of the team and all the different people that work on it and the kinds of jobs they have, that was just something I didn't know going in. So to see, you know, kind of the, the large scale team that makes franchise, it's pretty interesting to see it all broken down and into the individual parts of how that happens. Yeah, I, I think what's been nice this year, too, is we added that that extra element of, you know, it started with the design council, uh, the, the folks that had been formerly game changers of bringing them early, bringing them in early and having you guys have a chance to talk with them about your creative, but then having the playtest environment set up through the spring where some of those folks were in playing it early, then transitioning that same playtesting mentality over to the community playtest. I just think there's been a lot more feedback coming in for you guys. Your creatives just seen more sunlight earlier, I think, and had a chance for you guys to get feedback, right? Absolutely. And I mean, that, that's been a big transition for us because, you know, we can get into the headspace of feeling like something's really good. And then you introduce it to other people. And that's when you really start to see, okay, well, this is maybe the way I specifically play. This is really good. But, you know, maybe it doesn't take into account someone who knows the sport in a different way or wants to play in a different way. And how do we account for that? And, and being able to to represent everybody. I think for me, that that is also the biggest transition of, you know, being in my own headspace. Yeah, I'd love this and this and this, and I'm a micromanager, but there are a lot of people who are not. And being able to make sure that when you build something, it can be modular for whomever of the millions of people are playing it. That's the biggest, I think that was the biggest transition point for me as well. And it took, and it took some time. Yeah, having to build it for a, that, and we've talked about in the past, that wide variety of franchise gamers. I know if I have a, a player-centric question, Dave's the, the guy that I go to just to run that around and see what you think about those things. So I know we've been going back and forth on that a lot through development. Like Some of our features this year, I think, are a little more focused on coach and owner approaches, but just making sure that we're still delivering for the, the player, franchise player. So 
Cool. So thanks for that, guys. Uh, do we want to hop over and talk about the hub a little bit just to start, I think, right? Dave, you, you were the guy who ran the hub design this year. What were you really valuing? What did you want to accomplish with the design? You, we, gave you, we said, let's take a crack at looking at the hub and knowing we had all these features coming in, it was an opportunity to kind of do a little bit of a reset there. So what was on your mind? A whole lot. Uh, so to, to break down a couple of the different uh, the themes that led us to the design that, that we finalized and, and agreed on, we wanted to take a look at, at the core function of the hub and the purpose it serves for the mode and the features and everything that happens in franchise. So with regards to the hub, it's, it's a place that you're going to spend most of your franchise experience outside of actually playing the games. And so it was really important that everything that we have in the hub is helpful or engaging or useful in some way to help you plan for that game or contribute to the experience by adding immersion or story or things that really help sell and build the world that you're in. So that was a really common theme of just really wanting to create the world that you're going to center your franchise experience around and and do so by offering useful information to you in different categories, depending on what tab you're on, uh, that are contextually relevant to kind of that larger vision. I'd say as a franchise designer, one of the big challenges, I think, is you guys are world builders, right? Like from a gamer's perspective, you want to wrap that, the experience of being in the league, be it as a player, a coach, et cetera, around them. So, you know, that's some of the talks we have is how do you bring that world directly to them and let them experience it? Dave, did you have any inspiration from older Maddens? I know the the horizontal list on the left hand side is something that we used to have, and we had in some form even in the in the previous iteration. But I know that that was definitely something that was in much older Madden games. So did that factor in at all for you? Absolutely. So in in our earliest design brainstorm, we looked back and looked forward. So we went, you know, the collective group of us, we all love franchise mode and and grew up playing it. So it was really important to kind of revisit the things that in our gut and the things that made us love Madden that like this drew us the franchise mode. What about those things made that that feeling come to be? What information were we showing? Even something as simple as the ease of access to get to a particular screen or flow that is a real big part of the experience for a coach but may not be a dedicated feature like signing players, your depth chart, like roster management, making sure that, that we created an intuitive way to access all the stuff that we really spend a lot of time in when we're when our individual franchise leagues. But I think a, a lot of the, the credit to that goes to the older Maddens, you know, specifically I looked at Madden 12 and, and the, the visual for the week there was an inspiration for the game day panel was showing the team logos and setting up the stage of each week, having new information flying in to make things really feel alive and updating constantly to you know sell that passage of time. So definitely a, a whole lot of Madden lore and you know passion from, from those past games went into the design for sure. What I think you really pulled off is, at least it feels to me like integrating with, with Larry, who we had on last week, and the, the weekly strategy. Like I really feel like my franchise changes week to week based on that opponent that's coming up and, and bringing that opponent and that information to me and letting me make those choices that's relevant to that game week, but I can see those influences of the, the older versions of franchise that are, that kind of reinforce that. So it's nice to see that coming back and manifest. And Tom, I appreciate you mentioning that because that's another thing as far as, you know, paying off the hub, we wanted to make it a centralized together feature that basically ties all of the, the weekly strategy elements, the other features, the, the goals that you'll be interacting with every week. We wanted to make sure 
that we were able to do our best to reduce any difficulties finding particular things because uh, franchise is a big boat. We ask a lot of people to remember and track and you know stay on top of, of different things, whether it's managing the roster or otherwise. So it was really thematically important for us to constantly give information to help surface those decisions rather than ask you to leave your experience to go find out that particular stat you want. Yeah, I think that's, in my mind, that hub screen might be the most complex and information-rich screen in all of Madden and probably in Madden's history. So the tricky bit is to bring all that information and make it accessible, but not overwhelming. That was a a lot of the talk we had. Well, yeah, and kind of to build on the point you just mentioned about each week feeling different, one of the things I'm most excited about with the hub is the league tab where we've got information from around the league and like yeah. the, the the tweets, being able to see what else is going around, going on within your franchise, whether you're in a multi-user league or a solo franchise is, is something that I've always wanted to see. So to see that back and organized a lot better and then as well as being able to see uh, league leaders and stuff like that is something that really excites me. And for me, I think being able to see things like the the scouting hub related features in there, seeing the big board and seeing some of those players in your main focus without having to drill into into the scouting menu is one of the really cool things on that uh, right hand panel. Yeah, it just really kind of keeps your franchise alive and, and coming to you the whole time as opposed to having you have to go chase your franchise through all the menus. And I think it's part of the history of Madden, right? Like things keep getting added. And when you add it, it's got to fit in somewhere. So we'll put it on a different menu or put it a, cu- a click or two deep. And we said, well, let's take this opportunity to say what's really important and put it as close to that, close to the top as you can. But re- it really was back and forth and a lot of usability testing. Like, is it too overwhelming? Is this just too much information? And I think we, we eventually struck a nice balance of enough info that's always powerful without it just feeling like, you know, maybe it'll take a week to kind of get used to all that info. But after that, you kind of settle in and feel good. No, Tom, I appreciate you calling out that things that even as, as seemingly small as the amount of clicks it takes to get the information. I actually wanted to shout out uh, Andrew and the rest of our user experience team. They were incredible to work with on the hub and getting it play tested for all different types of gamers because still thematically, it was so crucial to us that if we redesigned the hub, it was useful for all types of gamers, whether it uh, be a 20 year franchise veteran that would find our new panels and information useful to help make decisions quicker or to also, you know, guide newer gamers to things that you may not be able to find in, in the past or um, that are still, you know, deeper screens. So the top performers, you had mentioned that earlier, that being a, a quick way to be able to see who leads the league in passing yards at any point, that ability to do that in only two clicks. Um, we really wanted to take that kind of user experience to like, what is the fastest path, the amount of clicks, tabs, whatever it may be to get to that information and strategically place that accordingly. Yeah, for, for some people, they want to be able to click on all that stuff and actually dive around and make choices. Some people just want to experience it, right? They just, well, I want to know what the league is. And cool, then I'm going to go click and play my next game. But it's cool that I see the league coming alive. 100%. And one last note on the hub before we move on to the into the season engine. That member screen, I know 32-man leagues are going to absolutely love that, being able to see all the gamer tags, all the people who are assigned to all those different teams in a very nice grid instead of having to scroll and figure all that stuff out. I know we've talked about that, Dave, a lot. So just, just being in a 32-man league, I salivate at just being able to see that. So I have a story about our UX designer that I didn't know. I found out this past week. Apparently, we said we want to get the people who love franchise to come and work on franchise. That's been a big focus for us this year. 
apparently our UX designer was a regular. One of the guys on the team actually owns a owns a bar down in downtown Sanford and, and does his own brewing and stuff. And the UX designer would come in and be drawing on his pad and and they got into a conversation. Oh, you work on video games, et cetera. It's like, yeah, I really love franchise. And so that UX designer ended up getting an interview because of that conversation. And it was because he wanted to come and work on franchises, what he said. Wow. So it's an interesting journey that he did from that <laughs> conversation all the way through. He's designing the screens alongside Dave and the team and making sure we get them optimized. So it's, it's fun to get those people on the team. And I felt good when I heard that story. Like, yep, that's the people we want on the team together. Yep. And, and that extends, you know, even just between the design team, uh, I wanted to also highlight, you know, Vince has, has been a big part of the, the visuals in the community for a long time. And, and there were a lot of times that I would reach out to both Vince and Andre for, for the passion and, and the voice of the community to make sure that we're all kind of representing everyone, you know, who's a Madden fan. So, you know, Vince absolutely helped with some of the visuals. And, uh, you know, I'm just so appreciative that we have such a passionate team here to, to make the hub uh, an active part of your franchise again. Yeah, I've been on Madden for a little while now, and I, I'd have to say that this year I've heard more conversation that feels like it's coming from like the, the gamers that we're representing. Like I, I feel like we're in a good spot in terms of making sure that that conversation is happening over and over again. And part of it's because the guys in the team are, you know, they're they're having a conversation because it's the mode you guys want to play and have been playing. But you guys also have a lot of connections back out to the community too, and kind of keep them in mind because you're constantly watching streams and getting that feedback from the community as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on to the season engine quickly. Vince, I know this is an area that you've spent a lot of time on. So do you want to kind of go into some of the biggest changes and what inspired them for this year for the season engine and the scenarios themselves? Before you get started, I bet you a dollar you can't get through it all without calling it the scenario engine. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of rebranding it this year to the season engine. Just uh, I, I think it's telling that that story of the season. So uh, before we go into it, we'll see if you if you slip up or not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the, I, I think the biggest opportunity we saw when looking at previous years versus what we wanted to do this year. That's been a main theme that we just talked about with the hub was the opportunity to make scenarios feel more alive and add more, a little bit more personality to them. So we're trying to do that with modular cinematics this year. This is something that is carried over from face of the franchise. So rather than getting that text message scenario all of our new scenarios are going to be using the modular cinematics. So you're going to see your characters that you're involved, whether that be a custom coach or your real life coach in these modular environments. And then when you're interacting with players or assistant GM, you're going to be seeing 3D models of those as well. So that's really going to help bring life to these interactions rather than just every interaction kind of feeling the same and always being a text message. Yeah, I think that's a big change is to get it from being the text message system to really giving it that life. Like, I want to see the characters. It goes back, make my franchise feel alive. Let me see the coach. Let's have a conversation. Let me see the assistant GM, et cetera, and just have those. What are the different places around the, around the lot, you know, the facility? So. Mm-hmm. And, and to that extent, too, one thing we also had in mind and wanted to keep as a main priority was to 
make sure that these environments or the the cinematics weren't extending your time so that you're able to get through these moments quickly as possible, just as you would if they were a text message. So despite that change, it's still going to be something that's very quick to get in and out of in each sequence that you're going into. So you're still going to be able to maintain that fast pace of going through a moment and then getting back to whatever else you want to do within your franchise. Yeah, I absolutely love that. The the dedication towards the the time and the people really want to to get that experience, but we don't need to be overly wordy. And I know you've done a really good job with that this year. What are some of your favorite new types of stories that you're trying to tell throughout this this cycle? So what we did this year is what I'm calling tiered breakout scenarios. So a lot of our users will be familiar with our older breakout scenarios. So one of the things we did this year was added a couple different scenarios that will actually carry over week to week based on the success of uh, the player. So you might have a player come to you and then you'll get a goal for that week for that player. And rather than it being similar to before to where you complete that goal, he goes up one dev trait, end of story. That story will actually continue. The challenge will get harder the next week. So it's not going to be easy to take this player from normal to star to superstar. It's going to get more challenging each week and it's really going to take sustained success Yeah, I think that's one of the really interesting factors with breakouts. I know a lot of people have said that, well, breakouts are really exciting. And I think for a lot of people, they're their favorite because being able to upgrade someone's dev is always a really good experience for someone that they were at times easy. And at times they were very difficult based on quarter length. So having the ability to have tiers and really show that you have to prove the performance multiple weeks in a row, I think is going to help balance that and still pay off the reward of really performing well. So I'm very excited to be able to play with those a little bit more. Are there any others that we should look out for, but you know, without you know giving away the farm <laughs> on on what we're doing here? Well, I can't give away all the secrets that we've got, but uh, <laughs> based on what you mentioned there about the reward, that's another thing that I'm excited about this year. We tried to do a lot to vary the types of rewards that you would get through scenarios. I know in the previous in in the past we had Don't a lot you say of the word. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't it. say. I won't say it. Um, say we, had a, word. <laughs> we had a lot of more slow burn rewards, XP, and that other thing that I won't mention. Um, so we tried. To, <laughs> 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 so w- one thing that we tried to do a lot of this year was make the, the not only the rewards more interesting, but the path to the reward more interesting. So there will be certain cases where you might complete a scenario, and where in the past it would take you down the straight path to the reward. Now you might find yourself in a press conference after the game with a reporter asking you uh, either what or who was the key to success in completing that goal. And then you'll be able to choose your own path to what reward, what or what type of reward you want to see or who's rewarded in that case. So you might be deciding between, you might've had a running goal and you'll be able to choose between your running back and offensive line as being the key to success, or it might be around a quarterback and you can choose what attribute it was more key to his success. And that'll vary the rewards that you're able to get as well. I know, uh, you know, we have a bunch at launch. I think 30 plus is what we got to, and, and they have different variations. So it's, there's 30 like baselines that people can experience in different ways. And without going into what's happening post-launch at all, I think you're, you're still doing work on the, the season engine at this point, right? So even though we're, we've launched, there's still work going on. And I think we'll see more of it as, as the year goes on as well, would be my expectation. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
I, I think that's a pretty good segue with all of these different boosts and things, including morale. You know, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the M word. I, I, I had to get it in there. In full, yeah, yeah. You know, it's got its place. It's got its place. It's just I'd yeah. like to see more than just morale flowing yeah. through the reward system. Every single time we say it, your morale goes down. That's that's, <laughs> that's an accurate representation of the design meetings this year. <laughs> but I think that segues well into the tuning portion. So I think tuning in general is a rather thankless job because it's very involved. It's very tedious. And when tuning is good, it doesn't get recognized as much. And I think that's really the the entirety of it. But we as a team spend a lot of time tuning. Dave, you have been the the lead on tuning for for a while now. And especially this year, what are the challenges that you've had to experience between tuning, maybe let's say player progression with you know, scenarios with weekly strategy, with talents, et cetera. What has that been like for you? Well, a lot of the the tuning balance is, uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, not to blow it out of proportion and be dramatic, but it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a balancing act of ebb and flow and nuance and perception versus reality and having to find the hidden layer of truth in between all of that and matching expectation with real NFL events, but also consider all the different variables and factors that make Madden power a little bit different. For example, in things like trades where um, an overall rating may not tell the full story on a player's value, like in real life, there may be additional factors, making sure that we're able to reflect it in a way that is still hitting the the market expected. It's definitely a challenge and something that um, it's definitely something always to work on. That's the thing I I will say that I love about it is that uh, there's always something to continue improving and we can keep pushing on it. And that's personally a, a hobby and, and part of the franchise experience that I've loved talking to designers about um, even before I joined the team. So to get yeah, to it's work one on of those different logics now is really awesome. It's one of those things that's never done, that's for sure. And, and yeah. one of the things that's interesting to me is the difference, you, you touched on it, the difference between gamer perception of what tuning should be. And then, you know, this is one of these discussions we have with Clint all the time on gameplay. It's like, well, I watch a lot of football and it feels like this is what's happening. But if you go look at the stats, this is what's happening. And then when we go to do tuning, do we match the the deep truth of what the NFL produces with 15-minute quarters and, and all that? Or do we match it to a, a really great gamer experience inside franchise, knowing a lot of people – we can see the stats. People don't play with those quarter lengths. So we have to make it feel like the big games, but in the bite-sized pieces that gamers choose to play, which is definitely one of the challenges that I can see in all of it. Without a doubt. And I mean, people talk about, you know, copying things over from the previous year. And and, uh, obviously you have the previous game as a foundation. But I mean, through tuning alone, there are tens of thousands of changes done in the course of a cycle, just just on individual assets alone, and then trying to balance those all out together. I mean, the, the list that Dave has for for year over year tuning tasks, it, yeah. it makes it makes your head spin when you first look at it in January every year, every year. And I think one of them that is always kind of a hot button topic is draft classes, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot that can go into draft classes in terms of the talent of the players. So what are some of the biggest changes or tuning things that that you've targeted throughout this cycle around draft classes? And yeah. Sure. Happy to go into it. So for the draft, it's one of the, the biggest events of the NFL calendar. In my opinion, it's, it's the second biggest day of the, the season schedules, the NFL draft outside the Super Bowl. And so it's really important 
in my opinion, that the players that are coming out in the generated draft classes when you're when you're playing for your franchise, that there's something memorable about them. But when you think about the draft, it's if you think about it in the context of the NFL calendar, it's arguably, if not the second biggest day in the NFL season calendar, with the Super Bowl being number one. And personally, it's my favorite day of the year. My team's yeah. only won a single Super Bowl. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's a day that I get to have hope and then a three-day period that I get to have hope. But, but the draft classes in general, one of the things that was really important and after reviewing community feedback and taking some internal polls and just doing some self-searching because a lot of tuning is just finding like, where can we get better? Where is that thing we need to push on more? The prevailing theme was that we wanted to establish a bigger connection with the players at the top of the draft class because in real life, those have such an important bearing on the the outlook of the whole class in general. If there's a really strong top five to 10, that's going to drastically change the appearance of the draft class as a whole. Um, it's going to make that top 10 really exciting and, and you're going to be really wanting to get up there and go get some of those players. So uh, we've added yeah. a, a, a new type of player to the top of the draft this year. Yeah, and it, and it's really like as a fan, the top of the class defines it. That's the memorable when I walk away and think about watching the draft or what am I looking forward to. It's really about those top players. So that them standing out is a really important part of it, and it's kind of counter to, to tuning in some ways because tuning has to get this whole body of I don't know how many it is five hundred players ish in the draft class, right? But then mm-hmm. you have to spend a bunch of time focusing on these memorable pieces that stand out from this body. So absolutely, and I you know there's. The way that we break it down, really, adding this new type of player at the beginning of the of the draft really gives us the flexibility to make them really special, right? You know, you, you have your first round players, but these guys are kind of the cream of the crop in in the scouting terms. They're they're your blue chip players, the guys that maybe not all of them are generational. You know, people love throwing around that word, but they're guys that are about as stone cold of a lock as you can possibly get in terms of a future really great talent. So being able to separate that out and almost guarantee them in certain instances, maybe not every class, you're going to get the same one, but to make sure that instead of it just being, you know, round one is kind of weak, you're you're always going to have at least someone up at the top that you can pursue if you so choose. And to that point, Andre, about the power versus authenticity versus variability battle that kind of goes on with the draft class generators, because you're right that these guys are always going to be stronger and they're always going to be the best possible players that they could be in terms of the positions they generate. But we still want to maintain the variability so that way you don't always know what you're going to get every year. So there's still opportunities that you may not see a single one of these players, as you said, in a given year. If you do see them, generally you'll find them at the top of the draft. But we we have good coverage as far as different positions to make things really interesting, not just not just one particular position. Uh, you're going to be able to find these different types of top players representing skill sets of, of the exact kind of prospects you would expect to find at the top of a draft board. So my, my hope is that it changes the strategic team building uh, to make the top 10 and 15 picks of a draft players that you want to go up and get and further create the split to balance out the rest of the draft. So that way we can have players who are kind of general first rounders still be really good, but be a little bit more nuanced and variable. So we can kind of protect those really good blue chip players at the top. Uh, and, and of course, the goal is to scale it for authenticity and make sure that your franchise feels real every year alongside the rookie ratings. So we did also take those into consideration as far as how we balanced out these players. So that way they're not overpowered, but they're representative at the same quality that you would expect on the real rosters. No, that's fantastic. And I, I think that's going to be a very much appreciated change. And, you know, personally, I I always 
as well love the draft. So being able to to really dive in and find players who are special that get me excited to, you know, maybe trade up for them or scout them and be like, ooh, am I even going to get this guy in this spot if I'm here and, and really have to make those cognitive decisions is very exciting. And we talked about a lot of different things. I think it would be good if we circled back to the community side one more time. With all three of us being game changers, playing franchise for a lot of years, and Tom, I would love for you to chime in as well. What are your, starting with you, Vince, what is your favorite moment or experience from a previous Madden? It could be any Madden. It could be Madden 21. It could be Madden 05. It could be Madden 08. What, what is your favorite moment? My favorite Freya. I don't know. I don't know if I could lock it down to one singular moment rather than it just being, I guess, the the entire experience of, of the franchise provides to where like that's always been what's what hooked me. It's what hooked me early on is being able to start out in basically this world that is a replication of real life and then being able to take that and basically write your own book, write your own story. You just have this unlimited sandbox that can become anything that you want it to be, anything that it can be. And that story is going to be different than anybody else that plays it. If I play start a franchise and play through 17 seasons, that's going to look a lot different than your 17 seasons that you might play. So just, I, I don't know if I could necessarily lock it down to one specific moment rather than just the entire experience that playing franchise provides. Tom, how about you? You know, my my Madden moment really goes back to when I was in college and, you know, it was back in the, dating myself here, like back in the early 90s and just couch play with my buddies. Pick your favorite team and just go and just play for hours and hours. That was it. That's what we did. And it was part of what cemented me to wanting to be a, I knew I was a gamer, but knowing that was a really important part of the whole thing for me. So. Yeah, just that, that predated sense of, franchise. <laughs> it did, yeah. I mean, but it was that sense of, but it's still that sense of camaraderie that yeah. Madden brought to me has always been special and, and what mm-hmm. made Madden, when I had a chance to jump to the Madden team eventually, an easy yes, because it was just such a big deal. So mm-hmm. uh, missed those days. <laughs> okay, Dave, I know you wanted to, to segue to, uh, to something with regression as well, but why don't you give me your moment, uh, either before or after that? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you the moment first. We can, can keep topics. So back in, again, Madden 12, Cringes has always been like a family-based kind of experience for me. It's been an opportunity for my brother and I to bond. We were doing a co-op franchise together on Madden 12, and there was a particular quarterback in the draft class that we, we fell in love with. Painstakingly, we picked like 22nd or something, and this was a projected top five pick, so we were sweating it out. Uh, the quarterback dropped to six. We made a trade up to take him and then played every single game for the first 10, 11 years of his career and and had just a, a great experience. So as has been said, uh, creating your own story with these players, uh, we created a Hall of Famer that we could talk about as this realistic person who existed in our world and our, our franchise experience. That player is the best player who's ever played. So to have that experience and be able to see that story live through the 12, 13 years it took to play, it just kind of faked that franchise experience that that positive memory into to our brain and i think i'm trying to recapture that every year that's awesome for me i go back to madden 15 so it was a franchise that i started basically around super bowl time so i simulated a year as the tennessee titans and we were dreadful and it was a relocation year the idea was that we were going to move them back to houston become the houston oilers and avery williamson had 224 tackles on the season and we went one in 15 
So we had the first overall pick and Avery Williamson being a linebacker. I'm like, well, let's have some fun here. And I drafted a player with 104 production, Nelson Valencia, middle linebacker, still one of the best players I've ever drafted. And so I had a, a terrifying tandem of linebackers. I drafted a lefty quarterback by the name of Sterling King. We never won a Super Bowl. No matter what we did, we just kept getting bounced in the divisional round. We had a game where the backup came in and we scored nine points and we lost 12 to nine in just an absolute, just crazy defensive showdown. And despite the fact that I didn't win, that entire franchise is probably my favorite experience from start to finish because of all the storylines, all of the the twists and turns, and everyone aims for the Super Bowl. And that was the only franchise that I've played in the past 12 Maddens that I never won a Super Bowl. And I think that's why it stands out. Yeah, but that's your story. You had the story of what makes it unique, and that's what makes it yours. That's that's what we're really trying to get back to delivering consistently, right, for everybody. So. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Dave, you wanted to talk just a little bit about regression. Yes, yes. Vince uh, brought up a great point about kind of the, the the allure of franchise being that over time it can be uh, completely different for you or I or whomever is playing the mode. And that made me want to bring up a, a change we made to player regression at the end of the year because it's been a, a community topic for, for years. And, um, you know, I felt it at, at home playing as well. For the longest time, I've tried to think of ways and we've all collectively brainstormed on what can we do about regression to make it not so linear. So, you know, everything that that's posted, uh, we see it, we read it and and we all want to make it better. So one of the ways that we're addressing that in that 22 to basically prevent the ability to be able to predict a player's exact regression and age and how much overall rating they're going to go down and, and stuff like that is to add randomness to the equation at the end that basically modifies the total amount of regression. So that way in two individual leagues, a player can now be the same age, same overall in both leagues, but regress different amounts depending on things like their depth rate and just a little bit of chance, because as far as we're going on analytics, it's still not an exact science when a player is going to drop off. So we don't necessarily want the ability to predict with accuracy when you should not resign a player. And, you know, Thinking long term, we'd like to continue discussing and monitoring ways we can improve on, I guess, in general, the variability of a franchise. But for regression, adding randomness and modifiers to the the end of it, so that way we're no longer able to outright map positions to ages to create that kind of franchise exploity. I'm not going to even be interested in this free agent. Yeah, sometimes optimization is like the optimization is too much, and, and you know you can go out and see some of the formulas documented fairly deeply on that stuff. So the more we can do to disrupt it and have it be a place where you experience what's happening rather than have it documented so you know what's going to happen, that's a, that's a better gamer experience for us to deliver, I think. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So yeah. I think with everything that we've said, I think it's a good time to wrap everything up. Thank you so much, Vince yeah. and Dave, for joining us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Making Man podcast. Make sure to check back next week when we'll explore all the changes to gameplay with Clint Oldenburg, including Dynamic Game Day, and that includes home field advantage. That's a hot button topic. We'll see you then. Mm